0: to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae.
1: Joe, man, I'm so excited that college football is coming this week. I think equally as excited as I was for high school last week. We have Barbara on in a little bit, but let's talk about high school football first because we were at the big game over in Waynesboro. where Riverhead's reminded everybody that nothing's going to change and they're going to still be dominant. And it doesn't matter if you think you're good this year, you were going to beat the heck out of you. And that's what they did. 61, 14 beat the little giants.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a game where honestly, and I said this to you at halftime, I was like, you know, if they were playing a team that didn't seemingly feel the, the need to give Riverheads the ball every time they had it, like Riverheads had a couple opportunities where they maybe would have, been in a little bit of a dogfight for a little bit but it just seemed like every time waynesboro had something good happen they immediately felt the need to like hurt themselves or shoot themselves in the foot and just be like nope you guys take over like and and no one's better than riverheads at making you pay for your
1: mistakes sure i mean it's just it goes along with the discipline it goes along with what i kept talking about on air on friday how Good and bad, that sideline says steady. You know, they're not arguing that Caden Cook-Cash is still on his feet five yards ahead of everybody. They're calling the next play and moving on. They're also not, you know, when they return a touchdown, uh, interception touchdown to start the game, you don't see it fill their heads and they're, they're gone. They just make people pay for their mistakes and then get ready for the next play. I, I, I was just really, I, as much as I agree with you that, like, hey, especially those turnovers that were, like, first play turnovers, like as quick as a, as a possession can be and just absolutely back, break Wilson Waynesboro's back. I still thought they, they were still dominant in enough ways that like, okay, if Waynesboro didn't hand in the ball, but half as many times Riverhead still wins that game going away. Cause they still were clearly better. They okay. Just well, half, but seven three, is a lot. Half of that is
0: a lot. Seven's a lot, but half of seven is a lot for turnovers. That's like, half a a lot. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think Lord Botatot's going to turn the ball over four times. So right. if Riverheads has the I fumble issues they don't... had, like, that's a problem. Because Lord Botatot might be good enough to make that hurt. Whereas yeah, Waynesboro also... was like, thank you for the ball. Now we'll give it back. Like, like a little child that was like, thank you. Do you want it back? Like, and Riverheads <laughs> is like, thanks. Now we're going to score. Like, it, was, it was that kind of feel.
1: But I also look at that the same way you bring up the third game because that's the biggest game on the schedule this season. I I also saw these scrimmages for Riverheads where, you know, they they went against TA where Caden Cook Cash ran 80 yards, you know, three out of five plays. And Uh, and then they played Greenbrier East. Again, I don't want to poo-poo
0: them, but they're not Lord Bonita. You could combine Greenbrier East and TA and they're not Lord Bonita.
1: That's where I'm getting. That's where I'm getting is that, like, I don't feel like Riverheads was challenged in the preseason. So I think, you know – after Stewart's draft scores and he takes a lead, I think, I think that's the first time Riverheads was probably awake so far. And I think with Waynesboro, a, with, with, sorry, with yeah. Waynesboro, when they went ahead, I think that was the first time Riverheads was like, okay, we're awake. Let's, let's go, let's play. And I think we saw them play better on both sides of the ball after that. And so I think another game of like, Hey, remember we were losing there for a minute. Let's, you know, go out here and beat Perry McClure 49 to nothing. Um, you know, I think they'll be better ready for Lord Botat than they were, would have been this past week. Uh, I think, yeah, if they played Lord Bonetat this past week, I, it might've been worse, but I think both teams will be ready that week three as we saw them last year. Um, but overall I, I had nothing really to knock Riverheads about. I thought George sure. Norcross um, in his first game with the team for everything just to seem so consistent because he has been part of that consistency for so long really tells the story. Um, what bothered me about that game wasn't about Riverheads. It's I, I didn't like the game plan from Waynesboro. I, I didn't like the past first, second, and third <laughs> plan that they yeah. seemed to have where Barber's only going to get the ball. Yeah, I mean he had eight eight total t- six total touches yeah. on the night, four of them being carries where he was the leading rusher last year in the in the district at the and end of the year. Two of those season. and fumbles. Sure. But, okay, maybe you take a series off or, or a couple plays off and then put him back in because you're going to have to ride him at some point. You're going to need his confidence up. You, you can't have him standing over there stewing forever and then continue just to be passing the ball even when he does come back in. So i I just surprised with that approach. I really, 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 really hope that was a Riverheads is going to stop our run, we need to pass to beat this team approach. I hope that's not Blake, Blake – um, Jones is our best passer we've ever had at the school and we're going to pass all year with him. Cause I don't, I don't think approaching it that way is going to be successful for the team or even him individually. I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think every game that he throws 30 times, he's going to throw three interceptions but he might throw two every game. He has thirty pass attempts, so I think they're going to win more if there's more balance to that offense. I think he's going to have a higher passing rating. I think he's going to throw more touchdowns. He's going to be more of a star and get that attention that they want him to get if if they're running the ball more. I think they need mm-hmm. Ryan Barber getting that uh, attention that he's you know maybe a, a Division two kind of class running back and. Uh, and Blake Jones is, yeah, he's worth going to a pretty good school here. I think to do that, they're going to have to have that, them both be doing that. They're going to have to have that balance. Because if it's just the Blake Jones show, I, I don't know about our um, predictions of them, you know, winning the Valley District again this year, you know, unofficially. And I don't know about them, you know, finishing in the top uh, half I of the district.
0: Yeah, I don't know about the Valley District. I I, I have zero respect for the Valley District this year. Uh, but that being said, If yes. they're throwing
1: three interceptions against T.A., or Broadway or Spotswood, I'm less confident of them beating them.
0: Yes, I also think TA is not going to provide that pressure that Riverhead's did. TA
1: is my bad, my 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 worst example because I have no belief in TA. Yeah,
0: but I I don't disagree with your overall point. They cannot yeah. throw the ball as much as they did against Riverheads and expect to have tremendous amounts of success. I'll get to that more in a minute here, but uh, I agree. I, I just, I mean. S- six turnovers in the first half was bananas. Like oh. it was the kind of thing where you're like, all right, well, this is just, you're going to lose. Like it's over at halftime. We were like, all right, game over. Um, and the game started off about as a, about as bad as it could go. I mean, a pick six on the first drive was just like, all right. Um, and then they do, you have a couple turnovers, uh, for both sides. Waynesboro finally gets back in the end zone, gets a lead, And then immediately gives it up and then immediately turns it over. Like, it's just fumble, fumble, pick, pick, fumble, pick. And it's just like, all right, can't have that. Like, you just, and, you know, I made the comment kind of in jest, but also serious. Like, to the point, I don't think Waynesboro watches film. I hope they didn't. What are you going to tell the kids? Like, I, I just don't know what you learn from the game other than, hey, guys, we can't make seven turnovers which I hope everyone yeah. knew before the game.
1: I, I do agree that that's one of those games where you can make a show of, uh, you know, coming in on Monday and, and burning, the, burning the VHS tape or whatever, whatever works. And, and Buying a, really a VHS tape audience, just to break burning, it, yeah. Burning isn't copying in this sense. This is physically right. putting in a trash can and lighting the dumpster on fire. Like, they need to forget that game. I really, I agree. I don't know what they learned from that game.
0: Uh, and honestly, like, I, I think probably... Coach Jarvis probably also recognizes what we have said here and what we said on the radio last Friday that balance that we got to be more balanced. And I know they fell in a hole and he's probably trying to find a way back in the game. And I'm sure that probably had something to do with it, but I I hope, Um, but yeah, that, that I also just think at a certain point, you kind (laughs) of just got to minimize the damage because nobody goes home feeling good on that Waynesboro team after Friday. Like, Whereas, I think if you had been a little more balanced, maybe that score doesn't get that lopsided.
1: I'll call out the kid. I was impressed.
0: Amari Carter.
1: Amari Carter. He ran down two touchdowns from Riverheads and stopped them from being immediate touchdowns. I think Riverheads went in and completed those drives. But that's a play that didn't happen for that Waynesboro program three, four years ago. So, uh, I appreciated seeing that out, out of him. I think if you watch anything on film, you watch that and make sure that gets burnt into everybody's head. That that's what you do. You don't give up on plays because I, I like that. Well, and- that showed me some good coaching. As much as we were questioning some of the game plan and stuff like that, they built a. They've really built a program there. Yes. The fan atmosphere was fun. I think it's great that it's being recognized by the fans and they're in there, packed in there, and cheering loud. And then also things on the field with players' reactions and 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 chasing players down. It shows a lot of good coaching there. So I. I that's why I'm still, I'm not selling my projection for Waynesboro at this point. And even after this next week, I don't know if I'll sell it, but I, I, I there's still enough positive there that I want to, I want to build off that, but it's, sure. it's me remembering not what I saw this past week.
0: But also, you know, we hope Amari Carter is okay. Cause he got hurt at the end of that game and had to be uh, carried true, off. That's true, yeah. So yeah, I hope I, he's I, okay I'm and able to play. Um, there were a couple other injuries that, you know, we're hoping all those kids are okay for Waynesboro and yeah. get in against draft, yes. but. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, as, as much as we were scratching our head during the game plan at times, you're right. I mean, that culture and the positives yeah. that is going on at Waynesboro. That's... And I said that on Friday night, like the reason we have expectations is because of what they've done here. So it's not like these guys are complete clown shows and we're right. thinking this is something we're going to see the rest of the year. It's just, we were really curious at what was going on there. Um,
1: we, we think this guy's awesome. Use him more.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that's probably something we'll see. Um, but Stuart draft, before we yes. focus on the projection of week two, yes. Stewart draft, yeah. they played William Monroe. That was 41, nothing. I mean, that was a statement. We came in
1: at half. Yeah. Over, we came
0: yeah. in, we had questions like, uh, oh, is this offense going to be good? Is this defense going to be as good? And the answer was a resounding yes. Now William Monroe, not that great, but Stewart draft beat them. Like they they're not that them, great.
1: They, they treated him the way they should have treated him, mm-hmm. And they just rolled right over a lesser opponent and it, with a team, that we thought had some questions, you know, that's, that's sometimes a 7 nothing, 14 nothing game after the first quarter or something and then kind of a lull in the second quarter kind of thing. Uh, they didn't have that. They just pounded, pounded, pounded. They were turning the ball. You know, defense is playing great. The running back's getting in. Uh, the reason we had a question is because they had Aaron Nice there for four years carrying the rock into the end zone every other play. We didn't know who was going to do that for them. Honestly, I never heard of DeChay. Uh, before, <laughs> before yeah. this game, the Shea Smith, the sophomore running back, 28 carries, 160 yards, four touchdowns. Like, we did, it's hard to see that coming when you haven't heard the kid's name before, when he was on the JV team before. So, Stewart Strap knows who they have in the backfield. I'm sure we're going to hear some other names too, but there's one that we has started great, and I think no reason knowing what this program has gone through, the other – talent that they have produced no reason to think this kid's not fitting right into that mold he's taking the first step in that direction but then Troy Thompson on defense just making you know star plays on defense he uh had an interception that set up the first score uh returned it back inside the 10 I believe and then he had a fumble return for a touchdown in the second quarter so I mean he's you know nearly producing two touchdowns himself on the defensive side of the football to go with all the rest of the defense that we were less concerned about. I mean, I'm not saying no concern. You're, it's high school sure. football. You're filling in holes every single year. But defense was like, okay, we know these names are coming back. They're going to be decent on defense. It's just where they're going to be on offense. Defense absolutely had a great game, pitched the shutout, turned the ball over. I, I just – I I thought Waynesboro answered the bell. And, and that's where any Stewart's question draft. we had going into next week, would Stewart's draft – fall to Waynesboro. No, Stuart Straft is favored in this game, no doubt, because it's not like Waynesboro, you know, was a field goal away from beating Riverheads or something like that. You know, they didn't show some kind of spectacular strength. And so Stuart Straft answered the bell. You got to love it. Um, This was good on special teams, like always. They had the uh, Sire kid. I don't know if I say his name right, Uh, but he was kicking great. He he made every kick he kicked, Uh, five extra points and two field goals. So it's just like, Every, every little thing went right for draft last week, and it just sets it it sets it up to where I think you know we just look at Sears draft as being that second best team in the Shenandoah still, and uh, someone's gonna have to prove us different.
0: Yep, I think you're right. But let's so let's talk about that, and that brings me to um, yeah our segment that we're going to uh, keep doing, and uh, this week we add a little something to it. is Joe Stradamus Leland Waynesboro and Draft will meet on Friday night. The question is, will the Giants throw and run the ball? If Barber is used, he could give the Cougars quite the fright but if they fall behind and only throw, my fear is again the Giants will fall
1: Nostradamus. There you go. Who wins? Who wins?
0: I just told you what. That's my, that's the thing.
1: That's the thing. You gave me, you gave me if, ifs.
0: Are you not familiar with Nostradamus?
1: Is Waynesboro gonna, is Waynesboro gonna pass? Or are they gonna balance this thing?
0: They're gonna lose. Stewart's draft is probably going to get ahead of them and beat them. I just, Waynesboro is not a team that, uh, Blake Jones is good. I just, watching him throw 29 times and a half, I was just like, yikes. Um, Some of that was dropped balls. Some of that is not the accuracy we kind of were hoping for if they were going to be elite. Um, And so, seeing drafts defense and what they did, yeah, I I think it could be a rough week if Blake Jones is throwing for 20 times in the first half. I, I just... And my fear would be Stewart's draft is going to get up two scores and then Waynesboro is just done.
1: I, I, I think Stewart's draft will also bring that same pressure, a very yes. similar pressure, yep. that Riverheads. They'll see it and So it's going to have
0: to be Barber, right? right? Like, that's the thing. Yeah. It's going to have to be Barber. You're going to have to say If you fall behind two scores, you've got to keep using Barber. You can't get it all back at once. Just chip away. You keep using, I think, the best player on your team.
1: So I, I think for Waynesboro to win, and I like when you said this last week, I mean, you said Blake Jones has got to throw for, um, he's got to throw for 200 yards. I think he needs to throw for like 150 and Barber needs 200 yards. Like they need that balanced attack for them to win. Um, maybe you can have less numbers if it's a lower scoring game. I, I just, I'm worried about Waynesboro's defense keeping Stuart Straff's offense and yes. scoring bigger points. So you're kind of. I think tra- for Waynesboro to win, I think they kind of need it to be a shootout. I think they need Stewart Draft's defense to allow them to score um, because I think a low-scoring ball game. I, I, I think Stewart Draft's going to be uh, that see. I disagree. Be better than them.
0: I disagree. It needs to be what they needed against Riverheads, and they had at times long, sustained drives them. that they end in the end happen. zone. You just can't they don't turn seem it over patient
1: enough. They're not patient enough. They throw. Two balls underneath Riverhead's defense, and then they they throw the you know the out pattern where there's the sophomore standing there. Okay, but what I'm saying
0: is that's to win. You've got to be patient. You've got to be willing to take five, four yards at a time, and just chunk them to death.
1: Yeah, and I think I think this is where we get. I might have led wrong in this place, but like sometimes, yeah, I'm saying what I how I think it's going to go. I'm not necessarily saying the way. They need it. And I think I'll, I set it up wrong for that. But I, I don't see their defense being good enough to keep up. I think they're going to have to find a way to beat Seward draft's defense to win this game. I don't think they're going to solve Seward drafts offense. So I, I, I do think for Waynesboro to win, it's going to have to be 42-40 or something.
0: If it's – well, I don't think they can score 42 points. So I think it needs to be 21-22-21. Like really, yeah. You go for two the last yeah. time. Like have with these. two seconds left in the game, you go for two and and win it. Like, yeah. and the again, I think you're right. I don't think they can stop Stewart straffs offense. So, so right. the only way to stop them is just have them on the sideline.
1: Yep.
0: Just take your time. But yeah, I, I you're not wrong. Against Riverheads, they were not patient enough.
1: No. Part of being patient is to be run that ball. All right, Buffalo Gap beat James River thirty-five to seven. Doesn't surprise us at all um they returned the opening kickoff they did a lot with defense uh they ran the ball you know we've been calling for buffalo gaps passing game they didn't need it in this game they got up early rode the running backs Uh, alfin had 180 yards uh hildebrand had his touchdown blake robertson he had the big game with with that opening kickoff return he had two other touchdowns he even converted on a fourth down throwing the ball that that does alert me a touch of you know If your quarterback's going to be the man, he should be the one throwing the football. But uh, they didn't they didn't need to light Tinsley up to win this ball game. Uh, Cole Blackwell did good on defense. So none of that surprises me. Um, But I think it sets up, you know, this game against LeRae that others are high on i I'm personally not. But just like last year, it was setting up as a good measure, measure and stick game against two teams that had been familiar with themselves being in the same district for so long. It was a one-point game. You know, I think it sets it up, you know, for another good game here where I'm at the point where I, I predict Buffalo Gap will win this game. I think they should be favored, even on the road at LeRae. But I, I do think it has the chance of being pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right. I also don't think Buffalo Gap loses this game. I don't right. think particularly that Buffalo Gap is going to struggle as much as they did with LeRae last year. I don't think it's going to be a one-point game. Um, maybe Buffalo Gap has season, to throw yeah. occasionally in this game, but um, I, I do think they win this one probably by two, two scores.
1: By the end of the season last year, Gap was by far better mm-hmm. than LaRay. And uh, we saw Larre in the opening playoff game. Now, Larre had been through some stuff last year. They, they won the first four and then COVID hit. They, I think, were forfeiting games. They, they never got it back, they lost the last five. Um, so, to be fair, they didn't take the same road to, to Gap being by far the better team at the end of the season. But I think Buffalo Gap has taken off from there. I still feel a Ray is kind of that same team at best as that they were at the beginning of last year. I don't think they're better than they were at the beginning of last year. They're still led by Brady Jenkins. They still have Kenny Fry. It's still a lot of those same kind of names. I, I, I just think Buffalo gap will be pretty ready for that attack. I think Buffalo gap wins this game by multiple scores, you know, at least 14 and uh, they take care of business.
0: Okay. TA for defiance. Uh, honestly, a game where Fort kind of, I mean, I said I thought they'd lose by 14, but I didn't think they would be winning for most of the first half. And that was a three-point game at halftime. The second half kind of got away from them a little bit. But you know what? Um, looking for silver linings, this was not a bad game for Fort Defiance. This is the kind of game they need to have, and they're hopefully build from, right? Because that's the goal. This is week one. By week 10, you want to be playing your best football. And hopefully you improve steadily along the way. Like if they improve steadily along the way from this game, yeah, Fort's not going to go winless. Like they're going to find a win right. somewhere.
1: I, I was really proud of the scores we were seeing out there. They were leading, you know, a good bit in the first half there. Um, Trey Miller is going to be one of their star players as a sophomore. He acted like a star player. He scored a couple touchdowns. He got the ball out to uh, Taylor and trout for about 90 yards in the game. You know, I think some of their momentum got hurt with those uh, linebackers getting hurt in the second half, early in the second half. So I think that allowed T.A. to maybe score a little easier than than Fort would have liked and, and got that game away from them. But I don't have any music here. I don't have any special produced music here. But okay. here's here's Leland on the ledge. Fort Defiance wins this week. No. They beat Liberty down in Bedford, the Minutemen. The Minutemen are a team that are just falling they were, have been a decent program in the past. They have won five games in the last three years. They have a new coach. Their coach that had coached them for 20 years left them in, the, in June late in the uh, offseason. Um, they have a new head coach. I, I'm not against him in any, any way. Uh, he's familiar with the Seminole District and everything, but I still think things are coming together there. I think the stability at Fort Defiance with these young guys that had the taste of victory last year, grew up a lot last year, I think I saw growth in them last week against Turner Ashby. Fort Defiance wins this week at Liberty and gets that first win out of the way for Fort Defiance, so they're not searching for it the rest of the way. That's what's going to happen. That's my big projection. Um, I don't have music, but it's Leland's, you know, on a ledge uh, (laughs) guess here. If there was betting lines, I'd be betting for it right now.
0: We'll see what we can do for next week. Um...
1: (laughs) I don't want... uh, uh you know that uh Benny Hill music when I make my projection. I want I want some legitimate <laughs> mm, Depending
0: on how this week <laughs> goes, we'll see. Um yeah, I don't you don't I'm agree, not you i am not i am not there. I think Fort will be in the game. I think that Liberty will win it in the end. Um but I think Fort keeps it close. It might be another two score game. But
1: Fort Defiance – or uh, Liberty Bedford last year, they beat William Byrd in the opener and then beat Fort Defiance after that. They lost to William Byrd by a lot last week. Mm-hmm. And so I think – that I just think they're, they're nose-diving as a program. Every article I read on them, was, you know, lack of numbers and stuff like that. I just think they're heading in the wrong direction. I think Fort Defiance takes advantage. So there's more stability there. Even though they haven't been winning, there's more stability Fort Defiance. Well, i said it. I, yeah, I, mean, I would love
0: for Leland, Leland on the ledge to be right and Fort Defiance wins.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, I, I, I want to go back. I, that was a great opener for them against TA. Yes. TA is team I have no faith in. I've said that three different weeks on this podcast. They're picked to win the Valley District in some media market. I, I, I don't have TA. I think TA has some transition to go through this year. I, and I, I think a little bit of that was shown this week. I think we're going to see more of that coming up for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Riverhead's- All right, the other games.
1: Yeah, the other games we just need to run through. Riverhead, they'll go down to Perry McClure. Win. Uh, <laughs> win number 52 is on the line. And, uh, that would tie. Shut that would tie up. the state record with Phoebus that they uh, finished setting in 2011. At the time, that was also the nation's longest winning uh, streak, So that's an interesting uh, parallel between those two. The thing to look out for if you're Riverheads fan uh, is this running back from Perry McClure, John Snyder. He's a big boy. He's not going to hurt Riverheads, but he's just interesting to watch. Last year when they were playing against Riverheads, he, he's just one of those, you know, barrels of a boy that you start tackling him and he just falls forward. He's a little bit fun to watch, a little uncommon from a lot of the opponents that Riverheads has. That's kind of the highlight from the other side of the field. Riverhead's going to win this thing 49, 49 to, I hate saying nothing. I always say to seven, but it feels like a shutout to me.
0: I was going to say, I'm glad you finally got there at the end because I was starting to roll my eyes to the point where I was worried they weren't going to stop rolling. I mean, (laughs) no, I mean, they're, they're going to 52 is in the balance. Like during the week, come Friday, when the game kicks off, it's over. (laughs) What Riverheads need to watch out for is traffic on the way to Perry McClure. (laughs) That's it. That game is over the second Riverhead steps off the bus.
1: And, Joe, you know how I treat traffic on 81 leaving Greenville. So you just got to watch out for that.
0: Yeah, that game is (laughs) over. Uh, Perry McClure, no, 0% chance.
1: Hey, man, they played in the Regency Championship game last year.
0: Don't care. Regency must be awful.
1: That's where Galex comes from. Oh, well, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> how'd that go in the
0: state championship?
1: Um, Stanton, they finally get going. We've already broken them down last week. So if you want to hear us say more about Stanton, listen to last week's episode. We, we broke every team down. Well, it's going to be the same thing coming up.
0: Okay, but, but let's talk about the game. They're going to be. I think they're going to be Covington. Game. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, this is one of those old rivalries. This is one of those, you know, city matchups from the, you know, 60s and 70s that they used to have. They played them a bunch back then. Um, The Cougars last beat Stanton in 1977. So it's showing how much is dating back. 35 of the 37 meetings happened prior to uh, me being born uh, Mm -hmm. because they all happened in 1981 and earlier. Uh, But they're renewing this now. They played last year. Stanton beat them big last year. And I think you know, that was a sign of, of optimism, optimism last year for Stanton was it was part of those a couple first wins, and then the season didn't go well. They got to have those again, especially with a new coach in, in hand there. So I, I'm interested to see what they can do um, in this game of, like, hopefully kind of, you know, pushing back the bad from last year and saying, you know, we're just as good at this as, as we were early last year when they won 50-26. to 26. They need to win by a, a similar margin. They need to win by – you know, three, four touchdowns again and really assert some dominance there over a Covington team that's, you know, they lost last week to Bath County and Bath County hasn't won many games. I will mention that's a Bath County team led by Coach Phillips, who just left Stanton uh last year. So congratulations to Coach Phillips. Uh He was on the podcast for. I even texted him on Friday night. Uh, Congratulations to him on that big victory. And, and that's a rivalry right there between Bath County and Covington. They won 21-20 coming back, Bath County did. But I think it just reinforces Stanton. If, if they're going to be better than they were last year or make steps in the right direction, this is absolutely has to be a, a game where they dominate.
0: Yes, I think they will. I think Stanton will have no trouble this week against Covington. I think Darby is going to have a good week. I think Stan's going to have a good week. The question is who else steps up in that offense to help out Darby a little bit. Um, this is not a game I'd, I'm worried about for the Stanton Storm. I think this is going to be an easy win uh, and a good opener in Week Two for Stanton.
1: I'm interested to hear those other, especially offensive names. Darby mm-hmm. passing it to who? Darby handing it off to who? That's what I'm really interested in. Right there for that. Wilson. Uh, they get going against Monticello. This is a Monticello program that's really fallen off. I didn't really realize until today how much they'd fallen off. They were winless last season. That was the first time they were winless since their first season as a uh, football team back in 1998, so they've really fallen off there. Um, so uh, this is only their second meeting last year. Wilson won this game 39 to seven. Uh, Wilson's the, the things they got to answer in this game is who's going to fill those shoes of Noah Campbell and Skylar Whiting. You know, we we look at Monday, we look at Tyree as those first names to say there. Will they do that? Is it going to be someone else? Uh, and then also quarterback play is going to be very important for Wilson. Um, th- that's the questions you you know. We went into week one with a bunch of questions. That was our theme on our uh, on our 12:40 show last week. I think Wilson, that's that's all the questions right there. I think their defense will be good enough. Hopefully, improve, but good enough. I think offensively is where you have the holes to fill. You 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 expect improvement from guys you're familiar with on defense. On offense, you need these names to step into the to the role that Noah Campbell and Skylar Whiting, you know, did so well in. I mean, all district status for both of them.
0: I don't share the optimism that. Because they're returning players on defense, it's automatically going to get demonstrably better. Like, I need to see that. I, and I think that's – so I do have those concerns on defense still for Wilson. And, yes, there's the offensive concerns. That being said, they're going to look great against Monticello. Monticello is not going to have anything for them. I think they're going to coast this week. The, Wilson's problems will be later in the season.
1: I agree. I think in-districts can be tough for them. Uh, so the only place we are different is on, on Fort Defiance, and, and that's going to be fun. I hope you hold tight to that on Friday. Because uh, I'll be on my on my island on That's Friday fine. with that.
0: <laughs> Do you?
1: Uh, high school volleyball got going. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a big tournament in Fluvanna over the weekend where a lot of teams local uh, participated. Fort Defiance uh, shined there. They went four and one, losing only one match to uh, Rockbridge County. They'll actually get a rematch this week. That's the biggest game on the schedule this week. Wednesday night, Fort Defiance. Uh, we'll play at Rockbridge, so that's something to watch out for on Wednesday. Uh, but, you know, Waynesboro picked up another win in that tournament. That that was fun to see after they beat Broadway on uh, Tuesday. You were at that Broadway game.
0: I was, yeah. I, I Honestly, I mean, they. I know Seitz graduated from the football team last year, but Morgan Seitz, as a freshman there on the volleyball team, really stood out and impressed. Uh, this is a Waynesboro team that looked very sharp in that Broadway match. I was happy to see them pick up that win in the opener. Glad to see him get a win against some pretty stiff competition in the Fluvanna tournament as well.
1: You know, they, they were really down last year and in previous years. So um, seeing that they're sharp, you know, where does, where does that fit in in this district where Riverheads is, is strong? They play in the state championship uh, these last four seasons. Wilson's always strong. It's going to be interesting if they're able to kind of touch up to that spot. Um, but even, you know, getting ahead of Gap or, or Stanton – uh, or even Stewart's draft. Uh, I was going to say, I think, very good for that yeah, program. if they can
0: get into the middle part yeah. of that district and be competitive, like that's going to mean a lot for this program.
1: Stanton's one of those teams in past years that have they they knock off these teams that kind of surprise you, and they went two and three in this Fluvana tournament with wins over Charlottesville and Spotsylvania this past week. But that's that team you kind of watch out for. You know, can they knock off one of these higher ones? I wonder if Waynesboro might be getting into that okay, maybe we're a middle team, but can we knock off, you know, may, maybe not Fort, but maybe one of these other teams. I, I think uh, that'll be interesting to watch. I think the Bison are the team that surprises me. Uh, they started out one and two now. They beat Bath, but then they come back and they lose to Mountain View, uh, which is the own Stonewall, and Lorray, which Luray is very strong. Uh, it surprises me that they're sitting at one and two this early in the season. So uh, I think that's one of those teams that might, you know, in the early stages show like a little bit of uncertainty that maybe they're dropping back a step. Still plenty of time in the season. Uh, and especially looking at Larray, that's a tough opponent. Um, but uh, it's something to watch for on the volleyball side.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: All right. Uh, so college football is going to get going. We had a little taste of it this weekend. Let's let's talk about what happened this weekend before we really dive into the depths of, of college football and looking ahead. The, the game I paid the most attention to really – paid any real attention to was the Nebraska game. Uh, They went over to Dublin. All eyes were on them. Everything kind of, you know, all eyes were on them. Everything pointed to Nebraska. If they are at all improved, better dominate this football game against the Northwestern team who is, you know, missing a lot of pieces that from last year that wasn't even that great. Nebraska's got to win this thing. Well, it's a game the whole way. And mostly because of coaching decision, shooting himself in the foot, they go up 11, I think I know more than one score and they do an onside kick to get the ball right back. They don't score again in that game. So it's easy to point back to that play, knowing the results, but even in the moment when it happened, the announcers, the fans in the stadium, the guy listening, and watching in his garage, cleaning up his garage and, and seeing Virginia, I was like, why would you do that right there? Why? Why with so much pressure on you? Would you make more pressure on you? And then, I mean, obviously the result, but that was embarrassing for Nebraska.
0: Well, because like you were saying, it kind of felt like Nebraska was finally starting to get the wind in their sails. And then they tr- try to do a little too much and let Northwestern back in the game. And then Northwestern ends up Thank winning. I, I, I did say last week as part of the uh, yeah. first version of Joe Stradamus that Northwestern would cover not only they, they did they covered. cover, they won. <laughs> I didn't believe in them to win, but they did. And honestly, it is—it's the nail in Scott Frost's coffin. Like, short of going out and beating Oklahoma, he's done.
1: Beating Oklahoma can—I uh, mean, that's the—that's <laughs> a saving grace kind of thing for a, a Nebraska thing. But I—I I even wonder at, at this point with this fan base, it, it's, it, if it might be too far gone. Uh, I bet every Nebraska fan listening to me, which is one, it's, it's Dan uh, is saying, you know, well, let's find out, let's let them beat Oklahoma and we'll see how we feel. Yeah, But uh, uh, I just, you just, I, I honestly hated to see it. I, I, this isn't one of those times where I was like, ah, look at them. Cause I do want, I, I just haven't really been around Dan when they've been really good. I know I was there for some, most Bopalini mm-hmm. years, I guess, but. They were always wanting more, wanting more. And then it's just nosedived ever since then. Everyone, they fired him for not any good reason. You know, nine wins not for, being Yeah, good for enough. winning
0: nine games instead of four.
1: Yeah. I, I'm tired of of seeing him down about college football. Um, I don't necessarily need him winning national championships. I, I'm not really rooting for that. But I just, I wish it was going better for him. So uh, I hate to see it, but I do think it feels so much like Justin Fuente uh, to me, that it's just not—it's just not working. Best intentions not working. Seemed good at the beginning, not. Um, so I just—I—I mm, I do feel bad about that.
0: I wish I could say I felt bad, but you'd have the receipts that would prove I was lying. So,
1: well, let's shift into looking ahead as we're going to get the season underway this weekend with a lot of big games. So we need to kind of look at the whole picture as as we get going. even though we had some of that week zero happen this weekend, we do need to be led in the right direction for our season preview here. As we do every year, we have Mike Barber on uh, from the Richmond times dispatch 14th visit 14th.
2: I think we said something about 12 getting a t-shirt, didn't, didn't we? Or, or maybe we said, maybe we said 15. I don't remember. We'll have to go Whatever, back in the archives.
1: Whatever's in the future from that still. Cause uh, <laughs> I still don't have that ready. When I get a t-shirt, you'll get a t-shirt. How's that? Yeah,
2: that sounds fair.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for coming on with us. Uh, you help us through basketball season, but I know every year we get you on here in August to look at college football uh, from the local perspective. So Looking at the Hokies, because that's we're gonna start where we care the most. Uh, looking at the Hokies, um, there's gonna be a lot of similarities between the Hokies and Cavaliers with you know some of the storylines coming in. But with the Hokies, new coach Brent Pry, um, I I want to start there. How has your view the media days, your early coverage of this team, you know, been different leading into the season with Coach Pry there?
2: Yeah, I think, and there's a natural correction, right? When when, when yeah. somebody has an area that they're not great in, usually when you hire a new guy, that's a strong suit. And Brent Pry is very comfortable being the entertainer, right? He likes to be the face of the program. He likes to be in front of the media, in front of the cameras. Uh, he did the little shtick at ACC Media Days where he uh, looked at his phone and had a commit coming in. Yeah. And, you know, that was probably, and almost definitely staged, and he hasn't admitted as much, but it was a good moment, right? It, it's the kind of stuff that goes viral these days, and um, I, I think that's been a dramatic departure from Justin Fuente. Um, you know, Brent really likes being the face of the Hokies. He really likes pressing the flesh, and and he seems to enjoy interacting with the media. Now, I think he's got some James Franklin in him. I think he's got you know every major college coach, some paranoia, Um, you know, I, I think that we're going to see things tighten up here as we get into competition, but I think he does have a genuine, um, affinity for, for those interactions. And I think he has more importantly, a deep understanding that that was lacking before. Um, so I think that's first and foremost is it is a more accessible program. It is a program that aims to be that, um, that's number one. Number two that I thought was really interesting that I heard from the players. And uh, I'm actually on a split screen here. I've got this article up. At, it'll be coming out this week, so there's a shameless plug. But uh, <laughs> D- Dax Holyfield told me that you know every coach wants a player-led team, right? Every coach wants veterans to step up and lead the team. But he said that Brent Pry has really been coaching leadership. How do you lead? And, and, and for Dax, the big thing was almost say less right? Like Dax had too many messages and, and, you know, coach Pry encouraged him to, Hey, have something you believe in and make that what you push on the guys. And what Dax has kind of chosen is, uh, you know, the idea of consistency, be the same guy every day, be the same guy at Tuesday practice and Saturday game. And so everything he says, he tries to make it bring come back to that message. And I think it's interesting because like I said, every coach wants his players to lead but that Brent Pry has really taken a very hands-on approach of not just saying, hey, Joe, hey, Leland, lead, but hey, Joe, hey, Leland, here's some things I want you to do. Here's how you lead. Here's how you can get more out of your teammates. Here's how you can be more respected. Uh, Again, you know, those are are big picture, non-X's and O's, but I thought those two things, you know, his willingness to be the face of the program and his coaching of leadership uh, are two things that have really stood out to me
1: you know, kind of going back to your first point uh, there with Coach Pry personally, you know, I, I like the amount that he's put that effort into like building up some goodwill. It seems like we were always digging out of a hole with Coach Fuente of, you know, well, now all of a sudden I'm going to give you a little bit to make up for when you didn't have it. And now it seems like you're talking about him probably going to tighten up at some point. Well, he's, he's done so many things that have made us all smile and all of us happy. Yeah. And, you know, in combination with the with the Hokie Twitter account, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's a, a conjoined effort there where they're putting out these videos where Xavier DB and Pearson Perilu are in the locker room, bringing back the lunch pail. And there's yeah. all the different kind of stuff and the, and the snowball fights and just, he continues to get it. And I think, I mean, that's what I do with Joe. I, Joe and uh, our friend, Steve, um, you know, every time there's one of those videos where it's just like, the man gets it and his staff yeah. gets it and he has his, he, you could tell it's, it's a combined effort of just getting it. I, I just love seeing that. So that way, you know, if we lose a game, I don't want us to lose, which it could be any of the next <laughs> games, you know, like I, I want to win them all. Uh, you know, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to, you know, I am at the point, it's time to start winning some football games. Like sure. I, I like you as much as I can without you winning but it's also going to carry when we lose two. And I'm going to be like, I still think he's awesome. Yeah. It
2: goes a long way with fans. It goes a long way with media. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, and you guys understand, right? I mean, I I try to be accessible to you, but like, it's hard to get me on the pod, right? We're matching schedules. Brent Pry came on my podcast from his family vacation. Like he didn't have to do that. All he had to do was say, I'm on vacation. And we wouldn't have thought any less of him, right? You, You deserve a vacation. He went out of his way to get an hour for David and I to do the podcast. And it was just like, hey, man, like that's so refreshing. And it, it means, most importantly, it means that the first time he says no to something, my reaction is going to be like, okay, whatever. Like th- yeah. that, that dude hooked me yeah. up with an hour during his vacation. Um, and that's smart, right? Do it in the offseason yeah. w- w- when you've got a little more discretion, a little more leeway. So I think he's put down the best possible foundation uh, before we kick a football into the air and then all bets are off. Once the, <laughs> once the thing goes up in the air, we want to see you play.
0: <laughs> well, I, I wanted to ask you, I, and I know you've touched on it some already, but it seems like maybe the players are are digging kind of what Brent Pry is saying as well versus just the fan base. And I don't, I don't want to focus too much on the past, but it, that was always something we heard at the beginning of the year, right? Like, oh, yeah, everyone, the guys who are around are really buying into Fuente. And then it seemed like at the end of the year, like, all those guys who were buying into Fuente aren't buying into Fuente. Like, um, di- I, and I know you sound like you're more on board with Brent Pry than uh, be- just because of availability and you know his demeanor and just a different kind of attitude. Uh, but do you th- foresee this portal being a continuing revolving door in the Virginia Tech program, or do you think maybe there's going to be some stability?
2: Yeah, you know the answer is somewhere in between. Right. I think every program is going to have guys in and out of the portal. And, you know, I asked all of the coaches that I dealt with from ACC Media Day, the tech assistants, uh, UVA staff, do you have to coach a little differently? Right. Like, do you have to make sure guys are getting enough burn, enough playing time that they stick around? And, and they also, you can't worry about it. Right. And, um, but yes, to, to your point, I also do get the vibe that there aren't these clusters and clicks that seem to either be all in right? Like Tex Holyfield was all in with Justin Fonte. And he had a circle of guys all in. But then there were other groups when when you think about Cunningham and Kuma and and those guys, they they had a click and that click went another way. And um, I don't get the vibe that that's happening. Again, there's always great energy when it's new. Uh, But right now I I do get the vibe that that they are enjoying this. I, I think, you know, the guys keep pointing out most of these guys never won a bowl game. That's crazy. Like you go to Virginia Tech, you never win a bowl game. So I think they're, they're all in in the sense of, hey, man, this guy's got a different message. The old thing wasn't working. They want success. I mean, you know how this works. These guys work hard. And, and teams that don't win, they work hard, too. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's no fun. So these guys are going to put in the effort. They want results. And, and there is a, there's good energy and good confidence right now in Brent Price's vision.
0: So there's a lot of new faces into the program Um, QB, Grant Wells is transferring in, but I want to focus first on the defensive side of the ball because that looks to be kind of, I guess, vintage Virginia Tech, the better side of the ball. Uh, Is that your impression from what you've seen and what you've been hearing?
2: Yes, with the caveat that, um, you know, the offense could be really good. We just don't know. Wow. Um, There are a lot more (laughs) questions on the offensive side. I mean, it, it, it could be a situation where they're both good and then you have a great year. But yes, Going like into that. this. I'll, let's yeah. more of that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think people are quick to say, we don't know Grant Wells. We don't know some of these receivers. Doesn't mean they're going to be bad. Just means we don't know. But defensively, it does have the feel of a, a potentially a dominant unit. I mean, I feel like they have playmakers at every level. Um, names we know at every level. Um, and then you look like an inside linebacker where, where Keller maybe is leading a, a Tisdale. And Tisdale, I think, is a pretty good athlete, a pretty good player. So it's obvious that there's some talent. Um, I love the secondary Uh, all we've heard from the coaches all preseason is how great Dorian strong looks that he's, you know, shut down corner type and they feel pretty good on the other side where they've got Armani Chapman and Breon Murray competing Uh, both of those guys. And and Breon Murray is an interesting, you know, Breon Murray, Silas Zanzi. These are guys who needed a fresh start, right? They needed a new coaching staff and they're making the most of it right now. But that defense at every level to me looks good, looks talented, and looks, in terms of a throwback, it looks like there's playmakers, right? Like, Jamari Connor looks to me like a guy who can make plays, not just make tackles, but who can be disruptive. And um, I think that's where they're going to hang their hat, and, and I think they have a chance to be really good on that side of the ball.
1: So so let's talk about the quarterback. I know that kind of leads all the discussions about every college football team is, is quarterback, but, you know, we have Grant Wells, the unknown, like you're saying, to Hokie fans, but – he has numbers. I mean, he at Marshall he was a top fifteen passing, fifteen in passing yardage, I believe, and uh, he had great stats against good enough competition to make us believe that he's ready to play an ACC season and be at least somewhat successful. What what made him win this job? From what you're hearing, and uh, what are your thoughts about him as we go into the season?
2: Yeah, well, here's what's really encouraging. If you're a Tech fan, I'm going to go the other way. Here was the knock on him. The knock on him was the, what, 13 or 14 interceptions, ball security, uh, Mm -hmm. some of the accuracy. The thing we've heard the most in camp is how accurate he is and how good his decision-making is. Now, we don't know these coaches, are are they hyperbolic? Are, Are they prone to build guys? Are they trying to build up his confidence? But if what they're saying is true, and we have no reason to doubt it, and he is more accurate and better with ball security, the other stuff wasn't a question. He had a good arm. He's mobile enough. He's a playmaker. He's competitive. You can throw on the Marshall stuff and and see all that. The question was that in-game savvy when the bullets were flying, all that, and and the turnovers, and if those things are strengths and reasons that he won the starting job, well, I felt pretty good about the other stuff, right? I mean, the kid can play. He's a good athlete. Um, So that's really encouraging, and and that uh, tells me that one, uh, he's fitting into this system. I don't think people realize that enough with quarterbacks. Sometimes I say, oh, he throws a lot of interceptions. Sometimes it's play calls. Sometimes it's how he fits in the offense. And I'm not saying that it's, it's everybody else's fault but the quarterback. But I'm saying there's a, there's a fit and a comfort level when you get into a rhythm with your play caller, uh, when you're comfortable with your quarterback coach. And, and maybe now he's in a situation where Virginia Tech is asking him to do the things he can do Uh, to see the field the way he's comfortable seeing it. Maybe he's eye-to-eye with his quarterback coach and his play caller. Um, And if that's the case, man, I think he has a chance to be really good because his numbers were good. It's just can you take those numbers and translate them to the ACC? And I think we've seen enough guys make that jump to say it's certainly possible. And then how are you going to be with ball security, accuracy, those things that needed to improve? And at least his new coaches seem very happy with that.
0: So what would you say, realistically, ceiling for Virginia Tech and realistically floor for Virginia Tech this season and Brent Prize first season?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that, to me, worst-case scenario, uh, this team has got five wins going into the UVA game. Mm -hmm. You know, they're five and six, and they're playing for bowl eligibility. Um, With that defense, I think that's the worst-case scenario. Um, Again, now could there be injuries, things like that, but you know what I mean? If this team that we see today is the team that basically goes through the year, I think they're going to be pretty good. I think they're going to be in that five to seven win range. Now, if Grant Wells is is even better than I'm thinking, uh, if they're able to establish a running game, which right now we don't know if they have any healthy running backs, but uh, assuming that Malachi comes back, that the Jalen Holston comes back, um, and they develop some running game, uh, maybe they can take it a step further. But I think this is, a team that can be bowl eligible in Brent prize first year. And I think that would be a a very good uh, building block to start with. Sure.
1: Shifting gears, you know, up 81 and over 64 to Charlottesville. Okay. Another new head coach Uh, in this situation, they do have a quarterback returning. So less question marks there, but plenty of question marks in other directions. Uh, Let's start with the coach. Let's start with the reaction to the hire. I, I have not seen, now I, I will admit, I don't have the Twitter, I don't follow the right accounts to probably have all the warm and fuzzies, but I just <laughs> haven't seen all the warm and fuzzies. And I haven't seen you know adamant people on Twitter about how great UVA is going to be this year because Tony Ellis just brought this energy. And it, it might be the nature of the last coach kind of left on his own terms, not you know being shown the door. And so maybe not everybody was ready for a change of direction. What is your view of, you know, Tony Elliott's fit and 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 how he's welcomed by this fan base uh, so far in Charlottesville.
2: Yeah, I, I think they like him. I think they like his pedigree. Um, the fact that, you know, he's bit Clemson, that he clearly knows how to win in the ACC. Uh, the fact that he's been a part of some exciting offenses. And um, no, I think Tony was, I think he was a popular hire. You know, there was a whole yeah. issue where Anthony Poindexter was out there and people were talking and, you know, who wanted Poindexter, who didn't. You know, where did the AD fall? Where did the boosters fall? And um, But I think your first point was the biggest one, was just that these fans weren't starving for a change, right? These fans felt like, hey, we got something, and, and it seems stable, and it seems good. So the change for them was sort of an unwelcome change. I think as they're getting familiar with Tony Elliott, they're like, okay, this is a good thing, and, and this might be what takes the program to the next level. Um, but there's also a sense of like, hey, man, like, what was going on was pretty good. Uh, you know, they had won a division. They, they had finally beaten Tech for the first time in forever. And I think there was a sense of, like, nobody wanted to change horses midstream, and uh, it was kind of thrust upon them. Now, it, you know, Tony's an interesting guy. He's got a tremendous backstory. His life story is fascinating. Some of the things he's overcome with with just tragedy in, in his life. But I think he's done a good job of connecting with former players, with, um, alums, with boosters, with campus. I think he started more there and this fan base is just different, man. Like they're just, I don't know. There's like no snowball fight to have with Tony Elliott. Like would Tony Elliott do that? Yeah. I think, I think he's a, I think he's, he's a not, not going go to have some wine and cheese
1: with him or something.
2: I, I, that's what I mean. I don't, I don't know that there's that kind of a fit. And, um, you know, I think he's embraced a lot of things. He's been at, at different campus events. It just, um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't have that same maybe showmanship feel, but, but also maybe doesn't need it, right? That the fans weren't angry and wanting to run Bronco off the way they felt about Fuente. And, you know, Tony's job is to come in and, and pick up where Bronco left off. And, and number one, all these fans want is to see Brendan Armstrong slinging around the yard. So if Tony comes in and gets a run game and gets the line to, support Brendan Armstrong, they're going to be like, heck yeah, that, that, that was a pretty good hire. And if Brennan has kind of a disappointing year, be a lot of fingers pointed at Tony Elliott. <laughs> and, uh, you know, certainly uh, probably unfair a little bit, but uh, that's just the reality of it, right? And um, so it is a very, a very different setup. And, you know, I, I talked to a couple former players today for a story I'm doing. Tony's first game is against Richmond. Bronco's first game was against Richmond. Bronco lost that game. And I was talking to the players on that team and, you know, they said, yeah, we took them lightly and yeah, that was humbling. And yeah, that was embarrassing. But they also said that like, Hey, the program Bronco took over needed a complete reboot, right? It was turn off the Nintendo, pull the game out, blow the dust out, stick it back and turn it back. It needed to start over. And that's not the program that Tony Elliott is inheriting. Uh, It's not the program Brent prize inheriting. Like Mm -hmm. these programs are in good enough places that these coaches can come in and and have some expectation. Um, I, I know I know what you guys are thinking. I was going to say I mean, Virginia I,
0: Tech I, I, is like take it out of the Nintendo, throw the Nintendo away, and buy a new system. In my but opinion. I, I but think
1: that's how that, we bought the Xbox and are hooking that thing
0: up. That's <laughs> time time to upgrade. Yeah. yeah, that shows how old I am,
2: <laughs> that I'm still blowing dust out of my Nintendo. But, <laughs> no, I, I think but I think I think Virginia Tech's got pieces, and I think Virginia certainly does. And, and neither of these programs are coming off two win years. Um, You know, I, I just, I think they're in a different place. So that's good and bad. It means you're in a better place. Great. It means the expectation, especially for Tony Elliott and a very manageable schedule guys, UVA schedule is not tough. Um, that's why, you know, I've got people who think they can win eight or nine games. Now are they that much better than the teams that I see winning six? No, but is their schedule that much better? It might be. Their schedule might be worth two more wins. Um, so that that's going to be an interesting to watch as it unfolds. But don't you think,
0: you know, talking about fan base and connecting with the fan base versus what it takes to get, you know, the kind of players that ultimately UVA needs to compete in the ACC. Like, if he's connecting with former players, like, that's been something that I have always feared as a Virginia Tech fan. Like, if somebody ever figured out how to consistently bring in top players – they could do well, because when you look at the alumni, I mean, Tiki Barber, Aaron Brooks, DeBricashaw Ferguson, Herman Moore, Heath Miller, like, oh, yeah. there's a lot of talented players that have come through Charlottesville and played football there. They just are never there at the same time. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. I, I
1: mean, if you well, knows when to call a timeout, one of, one of the
2: two. Well, also. <laughs> yeah. well you, you got to execute on game day, but you're right. I mean, Mike London, Mike London hit a lot of home runs, but yeah. Mike, Mike London to me was, uh, I'll show my age and, and my Yankee fandom, but he was Kevin Moss. Right, he was always one for five with a home run and four strikeouts, and you're like, it's just not going to get it done. Um, I think Tony Elliott, yes, he has the the potential because of his Clemson pedigree too to attract that top level recruit to re- attract some better talent. He got Chris Slade back on staff. He kept Marcus Hagens. He's got Clint Sentum. So some of those big names are actually working for the program, and the others just feel embraced. Um, even a couple of guys that I talked to from that that. Uh, 16 team, Chris Peace Quinn Blanding, they were working in the program. They've gone off to private jobs, but they love Tony Elliott. They're like, yeah, that guy's really welcoming and he's got great energy. And, um, I think that's a better place to start sometimes than just going to the recruits, right? Mm-hmm. Like you go to the recruits, and you say, come play for me. I'm great. That's your job, right? You're the, you're the used car salesman in that situation. But if my friends Leland and Joe were like, Hey, we got our cars from this guy. Now I go over with a different mindset. I'm like, hey, man, people have had. So when you've got these former big name players saying, check out Tony Elliott, not just because I played at UVA, but I like this guy. I think that's a great way to start. I I think certainly he can get some momentum there. It'll, It'll be interesting to see if it happens. So I'll ask
0: you the same thing I asked at Virginia Tech. Like realistically for Cavalier fans, ceiling and floor.
2: So I think the floor is a little lower for me at UVA because of, my concerns about the offensive line. Um, if it's not functional, I don't care how good Brendan Armstrong is. I don't care how good you're – it's not going to work. Like, Brendan Armstrong, you can't throw for 500 yards off his back. Like, it's just not going to happen. So that's my concern there. If they're a disaster, could that be a four- or five-win team? I think it certainly could. Um, now, the coaches don't seem like they're believing it's going to be a disaster. They seem to feel like they've got seven or eight guys who are functional – not dominant, not this offensive line that we're going to rave about, but an offensive line that that is serviceable, that can get them through games. And then with that talent, it's okay. It all works out. Um, so a high point, I mean, yeah, are the people who are saying they could win eight, nine games, are they crazy? They're probably not crazy because of the schedule. Um, if you showed me the roster and I watched the spring, all that kind of stuff, and I'm just eyeballing it, I'm like, okay, six, seven wins. But when I factor in, who they play, where they play them, when they play them, yeah, I, eight and nine. If they re, eight, nine wins, if they really put it together, I think that certainly is a reasonable ceiling.
1: So let's take a step back and then look at the whole ACC. I, I know you know you've already done the media days; it's kind of old information with uh, you know who's voted to win the coastal, which is Miami. Um, you have Virginia finishing just ahead of Tech. Uh, on the overall, um, coming from the other side, it has Clemson and NC State up top. Um, how, what, what's your personal view on that? You know, I, you, where did you vote, or where, how has it modified since you voted?
2: Yeah, so I, uh, I have Pittsburgh winning, winning the Coastal. I think Pittsburgh is really strong. Um, I think Pat Narduzzi has built a program as opposed to a team. Right, like they lost an unbelievable quarterback and an unbelievable receiver, but like at every position, they've got like a real two deep, uh, which is uh, the teams that really struggle in the ACC are the teams that when you start looking at their second team, you start seeing guys' names in multiple spots. Right, like they don't have depth. They're not a pro. I think Pitt's really built something, and and again, I say this with a caveat: I don't think it takes a ton to win the Coastal. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm just I'm not doing the Miami's back every year thing. They got a ton of talent. Cristobal's a really good coach. Maybe they'll get it together. I think long term they will, but I'm, I'm just not buying Miami automatically. Every time they change a coach, we're supposed to say they're back. and I, I just I'm not doing it. Carolina, uh, a lot of talent, I think some flaws. Carolina's becoming Miami, that team with a lot of talent that you just don't trust on on Saturday. Uh, and Pittsburgh, to me is the opposite. They're kind of this blue collar. Like, hey, man, if you leave the door open, they're going to kick it down and beat you. And, and so I've got Pittsburgh in the Coastal. I actually had Tech and UVA flipped um, when I voted, in part because I love Tech's defense, and I had much bigger questions about the UVA offensive line. Um, I still feel the same about Tech. UVA, I feel a little bit better now about the offensive line, knowing that they've, they've got some bodies that um, there's some spots with competition that I thought were going to be basically open jobs, and it's actually been like, hey, either one of these guys could do it. So um, those two teams are really close in my mind. I do have Clemson uh, winning the Atlantic, winning the whole league. I think NC State's really good. I love their defense. I love their linebackers. Holy cow. I mean, they, might, they might have four NFL guys in the linebacking core. That's pretty amazing. Um, could they beat Clemson? Sure. Could they be a surprise? But I, I think Clemson defensively is – is going to be really special. I've got Clemson going back to the college football playoffs. So, um, But, you know, to me, I think NC State has done a nice job closing the gap. Yep. I don't think it's as far flung to talk about them. Um, Wake Forest, much like Pittsburgh, great job building up that program, building up that two deep. You, you just hope that, that the Hartman kid's able to get back and, and that whatever medical situation they had to deal with and he had the surgery – It sounds scary, and you don't like to speculate, but you hope he's – they say he'll be back. You hope that's the case and that he's back in a a good frame of mind and and healthy, but I still think it's Clemson. I think it's Clemson-Pitt, and then I think it's Clemson winning that game and and going to the college football playoff. So So, before
0: Leland takes us to that college football playoff, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned mentioned NC State, and, you know, Mike, I'm curious – Clemson has been the very dominant team in the ACC in recent memory, but this year is kind of going to be a a test for Dabo. His coordinators both leave. Tony Elliott to UVA. Brent Venables goes to Oklahoma. Like, do you think that maybe, I know you've mentioned NC State's closed the gap, but do you think that's going to be a factor in helping NC State maybe close the gap this year? Is Clemson's not going to be quite as dominant as we're used to seeing?
2: It's going to be interesting. I'll say that. Um, Dabo is the ultimate case study of, and I, I, this isn't a knock on Dabo, but a guy who kind of didn't deserve or belong in that job, (laughs) right? He was the wide receivers coach. They made him the interim coach. He had great energy. They stuck with him. Now look where they are, man. And, and, but like, that's a great example of like, I didn't think that was a good hire. Turns out to be a great hire. I thought Justin Fuente was a home run disaster. I thought Scott Frost. Was the textbook <laughs> definition of a great hire? Did he, he make it? He Did goes. He he, him <laughs> they <up this laughs> may have left him in Dublin, uh, and he. The, I mean, the man needed a drink. I'm, I'm sure he may be may still be in Dublin on his own accord. But, but you know, the point being, hey, you you just don't quite know. Now, Dabo has followed that with his new coordinator, right? Promoting from within, going with guys with connections. Now, that may be great. They know the personnel. They know the system. That may be the best way to keep the train rolling. Or it may be that Clemson should have gone out and gotten the kind of coordinators that a program of Clemson's caliber can attract. Check back with me in 12 weeks, right? I, right. Like, no, no way to know. But certainly it could be a chink in the armor, right? It, it might not be. Um, it's not Tony Elliott and Brent Venables. Maybe it's the next Tony Elliott and the next Brent Venables, and maybe Clemson's got that thing rolling to a point where that's how it works, uh, or maybe there's some fall off there, and, and maybe that will accentuate struggles for for DJ. Right? I mean, they need they need that quarterback to take the next step, and Tony Elliott was in a unique position to kind of help him there. He's gone. Are they able to to get over the hump now uh, with DJ? And and so all of these things are are more question marks. I like to say than weaknesses. Right? Because they may be strengths, maybe great, but we don't know. Like we said with Grant Wells, right? Grant Wells may end the year and, and us saying, like, man, it's crazy that nobody mentioned him in the Heisman race. Or he may be benched in week six because he keeps throwing picks. Yeah. Like, we don't know. But um, Clemson is going to be really interesting. Ton of talent, ton of depth, great defense. Is there a drop off in the coaching and the level of that program with all the change? And we'll, we'll only find out on, on a few Saturdays.
1: The one team that I kind of stuck out to me looking at stuff, kind of preparing for this weekend, um, and, and I, I've said this before they played this weekend, so I don't want to ha- have anything of them running over Duquesne mean anything. <laughs> but Florida State is that, you know, sleeping giant. is that team that they bring in good guys. They keep having good guys come through there. They can't put it together. The coaching seems off, and they replace coaching. I just feel like they're due to be a little bit better. I'm not saying – Win that division. I am not saying that, but I see him picked fifth on that side, and it just like the same way I think Virginia Tech. and That's more of a homerism, and I hope it, I hope they're <laughs> going to finish higher than fifth. I just see Florida State. I could see him in that three spot, and like at least in the game against NC State or Clemson, one of those two games, them really give that game a ride. I mean, they did last year. They gave Clemson a ride. Um, I I just think that team is kind of due. I want to, so I'm trying to put it out there into the world that I've said that early. What is your thoughts on that statement?
2: Yeah, I think it's a really interesting case study in what's the difference here. That Miami, I mean, anytime anything good happens, Miami's back. And in Florida State, it's like people are like, "No, they're buried. Come back in a decade, you're done." And I don't, I don't get it. Right? They're both these big time brands in a great recruiting area. Um, you know, they were football in, in the nineties, all yeah. that stuff. Um, no, I think you're right. I, I think Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so you could see how it could go the other way on you. Uh, poor Nebraska, but, uh, and that the worst part is they still think they're relevant. If yeah, you yeah. go out and spend I, my
1: brother-in-law who's, who's listening to this podcast right now, he's hearing me say this and, uh, yeah, no, he, he's a big Nebraska fan and yeah, he's at least started to admit like this is our last chance to be relevant. And he's, yeah. he's seen you know, where it's gone.
2: My college roommate, not to go on to the side, but my college roommate's a Nebraska guy. And uh, we're to the point now where he like, will say something. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm not paying attention to Nebraska. Like, <laughs> okay, this week. Cause they, but like, you know, late last yeah. season, he'd be taught. And I'm like, Hey man, that's not a national brand right now, but, but no back to Florida state. I think there is a lot of talent there. Um, certainly in the skill positions. Again, I think they've got some great athletes on defense. I think that the heat on Mike Norvell, it was a little unfair. I think there was a lot of stuff happening and a lot of his transition was not going to be as smooth as some other coaches. Um, am I saying that he's the perfect guy and he's going to get it done? I don't know. We'll see. But I, it's way too early, way too early for the people who are ready to give up on him. That's yeah. nuts, right? Taggart, there were problems in that program. Yeah. You would hear like pro- practices weren't well organized, things like that that, that change needed to happen. Now it's just about when can you get things back going on, on the field? And, um, you know, we laughed about Duquesne, but Hey, uh, somebody had a great tweet. I wish I could remember who it was, but they said, Florida state's not playing with their food this year. Right. That's what you want Florida state to do against Duquesne. Yeah. Right. You don't want to see the, the, you know, what, what did we see last time last year? Yeah. Right. That's where all the red flags started going up around Mike Norvell. What was that super shaky game against their quote unquote cupcake? And um, you know, this year they they ate the cupcake and, and good for them. And certainly a big step up in competition week two, we'll, we'll know more. But uh, sure. sure, yeah, it, it's, it does feel like Florida State has the opportunity to be number three, number four in, in the division and have a quality win or two there. You know, right. that's the biggest thing. It's not just beating some crummy teams and, and moving up. This. They feel like they've got the pieces to, on a good Saturday, beat somebody they quote unquote shouldn't. Because they've made progress. Yeah.
0: All so, right.
1: well, I'm not crazy. I think that's what what just got said, Joe. I'm not yeah, crazy.
2: We'll see. I think that's fair. We'll see when the season. <laughs> now again, plays out but they're they're, they're starting to be they're starting to be like Carolina though, where if they don't do it, we're yeah. getting to the point where we're like, okay, we're not going to get excited just because you're a brand. Um, well, I stopped
1: I, ripping Mac Brown when he was bringing those recruits in. I was like, I can't, I can't keep ripping the guy. He keeps getting these recruits. Like this is driving me crazy. But the wins haven't
2: haven't been. No, there it's just, and it's weird, right? Like, because I mean, he's paying a, a lot
1: of money to have those guys not win games. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <it's>,
2: uh, <laughs> no, no comment. But Mac <laughs> Mac certainly has the track record that you know he can win big games, and it's odd that, that Carolina seems to kind of soil themselves a couple times a year. And um, I mean, they it's did it an-
1: against us last. Are they against against Tech in the opener. Are they, I mean. And that's why the game.
2: Yeah. And that's why the early season is so, or think about the year that tech went down and beat Florida state uh, when that was still billed as a, you you get these results.
1: Eight months to beat a team. Yeah. Yeah,
2: (laughs) You you get, you get these weird results where we, we overhype somebody, we underappreciate somebody else, and then we flip it in our heads. Now Virginia tech's great and Florida state's in trouble. Now Virginia tech's great and Carolina's in trouble. And, Maybe the truth is neither of them are, are going to put it together that year. Yeah.
0: So well, you Florida State being
1: good will help the ACC. So that's, that's another motivating factor.
2: It is huge. It's a huge factor, and talk yeah. about unfair. But you and, we would sit here and say, hey, they need four or five teams to be really good. And you'll sit in an, a revenue meeting with the ACC folks and say, no, 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 no. We need a specific four or five teams. So I can talk all day about Pitt. Wake NC state, how they've built up their programs, right? Virginia tech, Miami, Florida state. They need those programs to deliver North Carolina. uh, They need those programs to deliver because that's where the brand value is. And is that fair? Is that right? No, but is that reality? Sure is. Yeah. Well, like conference realignment, that it just is what it is. But um,
0: you mentioned Clemson already in your college football playoff. Who are the other three teams you have?
2: Yeah, I mean, i right now. I'm a chalk guy because I think those programs are that good. <laughs> yeah. You're not um, Desmond
1: Howard out here with No, I, Baylor, and I wish Michigan. I was. I wish <laughs> I
2: was. Like, like I like A and M. I, I like Michigan. Um, I think Notre Dame is going to be good this year. Like, uh, there's t- I think Oregon has a chance to be good, but to me, there is a group there that's just they're they're in a different. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia are in a different echelon, and then I think Clemson is maybe alone in that next step, right? Like, I think there's a gap between those teams I just mentioned and Clemson because how good I think Clemson is defensively. Um, so it's boring, and, and, and I hope I'm wrong. Let me put that out there. I hope I'm wrong. Like, I hope we get to the college football playoffs and there's two teams that I didn't mention at all, and they're in there. Um, you know, it's great when Cincinnati does that kind of a thing from, from an interest standpoint. Um, but the reality is... I think Georgia's that much better. I think Alabama's that much better. I think Ohio State is that much better. Um, and I think Clemson's that much better than the rest of the field, even though I don't know that there were those three. So uh, I'm the horribly boring college football playoff. To so take the top four off the poll, those are the guys, Ben. Well, but you're probably right. Yeah.
1: I know, and I hate it. It's more than it isn't. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish I was wrong, but I, I, I will.
1: I will say Notre Dame, I, I am a Notre Dame hater. I, I always have been. Um, <laughs> I think – I don't know. I don't know if I always have been. I've never been a a positive on Notre Dame. Ty Willingham, when they ran him out of town, I think that's when I started hating him. I just like, that was wrong, and I I bit into that. Then I had a boss uh, early in my career that was just a blind Notre Dame fan, and uh, I think that killed it. I find it extremely hard to hate on them right now because I like that coach. I like that hire. I like everything I see about them. Uh, You pick up on all this positive stuff. And then I watch this thing on Sunday on sports center with all this behind the scenes stuff. And it's just like doubling down on everything. I'm already feeling about it. I just, I I don't know if I'm rooting for them to win. I just want him to be successful. And uh, I guess I'm rooting for him to be successful enough than to go to the NFL. So I could really root for him, but I (laughs) I do like him a lot. I think I was a heck of a hire, smart with, with the situation and how it unfolded just to bring him in quickly and introduce him. I I thought that was great.
2: Yeah, I do too. And, and, I don't mean this to disparage Notre Dame. It felt like a very un-Notre Dame hire, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they're, they're yeah. going to go out and, and they're more worried about style over substance and, and they went the other way. And, and then they were able to keep their offensive coordinator, who I think is a really good football. And in, it just feels like it feels like they're ready to put aside the brand, at least within the program, put aside the brand and go win football games right? Like Notre Dame to me is always about Notre Dame and the NBC contract and the golden dome. And it just feels now like they've got this group that's like, Hey, the heck with all that, like that's for all you to celebrate. Like we're here to go to work and and, and play football. And, um, it's refreshing because I, I think the things, Leland, the things people like you probably don't like about Notre Dame, I think there's a different mindset there. And, yeah. and um, certainly they, yeah, certainly they can pick up on, on talent. They can do that. And they've got for some great players and um, I think they have a chance to have a really good year and, and um, again, probably just below the 3-4 the that we keep talking about. But um, I'm pretty high on Notre, on Notre Dame this year.
1: So, I guess we're at the point where we need, you know, you've had a, you know, summer where you have a couple extra minutes to watch stuff. Uh, <laughs> what have you happened to be able to watch that you would recommend to our viewers, either binge watching or, or good movies or what, what do you good... got? Non atc so, football coverage for us. <laughs> so
2: I did. I did watch uh, Hawkeye, which I really enjoyed. Um, some of the I, I like the Marvel stuff, but sometimes it's a little too comic booky, a little too uh, fantasy. Hawkeye was a little grittier, right? It was a little bit tougher, a little meaner. Like he doesn't have any superpowers. He the, shoots people.
1: Jeremy. Uh, uh,
2: yeah, uh, I'm going to say the wrong Jeremy Renner. Renner. I was yeah. Say Jeremy Piven. That's a completely different direction, but. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Renner. But it was it was a little grittier, a little tougher. I, I enjoyed that. And I'm re-watching to catch up with, with uh, Better Call Saul, which is great television. Huh? Yeah. Uh, I was a huge Breaking Bad fan. Absolutely love that. Better Call Saul is really, really good. Um, I went back and re-watched to kind of catch up to where where we are in the new season. So I'm a little behind there. Uh, those, those are the two, I think, that stood out. I watched Hawkeye and I'm watching Better Call Saul, but we are now into that uh, yeah. time of the time of the year. where actually, sadly, I've got the Illinois Wyoming game that I recorded on pause <laughs> on my TV because they play UVA. So that's sadly where my life has gone. And instead of watching better call Saul, I've got, uh, Illinois, Wyoming on repeat. So, uh, that's a little bit sad.
1: <laughs> well, Mike, thanks for coming on with us. Remind our listeners, uh, you have your own podcast with David Teal. I've been listening to it, uh, more, uh, Religiously, I guess, these, in this off season than I was before, uh, and I really enjoy it. So I recommend all our listeners to go over there. Uh, the same kind of insight you bring to us, uh, you can get you know weekly on your podcast, which which is awesome.
2: And yeah, then, we've uh, been uh, we've been having yeah. fun with that. And, and then the big advice we keep hearing is have a set day to drop your podcast, as everybody keeps telling us, because we're all over the map a little bit. So yeah. for for anybody that's interested, we're going to try to aim for Tuesday mornings. Yeah, uh, we're going to try to aim for Tuesday mornings and drop it then, but. It sounds good guys. for our
1: listeners to listen to you guys and then listen to us, or, or the other way around. But Either order, yeah, perfect.
2: <laughs> uh, but you guys know, sometimes it's hard to get on that schedule, uh, yeah, but that, that, that's, that's certainly the plan. And uh, yeah, it,
1: it pairs fun. well with with mowing the lawn, is what I found out this summer. So
2: that's I, I've had some interesting things. People say mow the lawn, um, long <laughs> car rides, uh, a couple people with young babies. They actually listen. They, they've got their phone and their uh, earbuds in while they're sitting in the room waiting for their kid to fall asleep and they're playing that. So I, I kind of related to that one too. So there there's no bad place to listen to you guys and no bad place to listen to Teal and Barber. How's that for a show? Plug.
1: And we, and we left conference realignment alone in this podcast. We're calling you next time. There's big news in conference realignment. Expect a text from me. Cause uh, we're going to want you on. Oh, uh, we need to hear your perspective on all of it.
2: That's fine. Let's just hope we can make it through a year without having to talk about it again. I I don't know that we will, but but let's let's, let's just try to enjoy some football before we have to get back into the business stuff. Yes,
1: sir. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you next time.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Well, thanks again to Mike Barber coming on there. Let's (laughs) Let's kind of zero in our conversation of what's going to happen this week. And I'm pumped about the entire lineup starting Thursday. I guess at seven is uh, is what I'm paying attention to. But all the way through Monday, there's plenty of good games. A lot of ACC teams involved every single day this weekend. uh, Some other big games. So let's kind of walk through it Thursday night. um, You know, this is where we usually see like a Carolina, you know, Carolina on Carolina crime here. We have South Carolina and North Carolina or some version of that. I love the matchup this year, getting the backyard brawl in kind of that opening game on ESPN to start the season 7 o'clock on ESPN. Um, I think they're going to have some game day uh, on site there ahead of it in Pittsburgh. Um, West Virginia, Pitt, what's your thoughts, and who do you think wins that thing?
0: I love this game. I love that they're playing again. I love that this rivalry is back. Um, I don't like either one of these teams, um, but I I do like that the rivals are playing, and it's going to be a fun game. This is a great test for Pitt, because Pitt, yep. everyone's singing about, yeah, they lost Kenny Pickett, yeah, they lost all these players, but it's Pitt. You know, we we just heard Mike Barber talk about it, he thinks Pat Narduzzi's really built something special there at Pitt. We'll find out. Lose to West Virginia, not really. Uh, not that I think West Virginia's terrible, but West Virginia will not be factoring into the Big 12 championship. Let me put it that way. Um, yeah. So if Pitt is going to factor into the ACC championship, I think they have to win this game somewhat convincingly
1: they have the new quarterback he transfers in from uh usc Mm -hmm. and uh i think he'll end up being good i'm wondering if he's quite ready for the backyard brawl i think that that could be a little some growing pains might be witnessed in this game but in the end i don't think west virginia is that good i think it's gonna be the toughness the rivalry the ugliness i think that's gonna be kind of west virginia's you know they're they're gonna like the the basketball equivalent when you go in there and just foul everybody they're gonna they're kind of doing that kind of stuff. Um, probably testing the line of what's what's there, and I think it, they try to make it as ugly as they can. But I do think Pitt does win the game. I just do think it's going to be it's going to be a good Thursday night opener game where we're in the fourth quarter. We're not sure about what's about to happen.
0: Well, the other thing that's going to help them, right, is that it is at Pitt, so he doesn't have to worry about yeah. like batteries being thrown at him or uh, whatever okay. other. Uh, uh, uh.
1: Uh, there's going to be a good amount of West Virginia people there, <laughs> like I mean that's thirty minutes apart from each other it's yeah, be but they're a, probably not going to have the West Virginia fans battle.
0: lined up next to the pit tunnel It is a pit home game
1: I've been at Virginia, I've been at Pittsburgh for a Virginia Tech game and felt plenty of uneasiness about the pit fans uh so i, I do you I think, think the pit fans are going to throw
0: batteries at their own quarterback
1: maybe not throwing batteries at their own quarterback. I'm saying the ugliness of the general atmosphere could can be there. Um, that's fine. Leland, I'm
0: talking about literal batteries I, being thrown at gonna, him.
1: I the bus over before the game or something like that, like no. the old school stuff
0: here. <laughs> I don't think that's – I mean, I might be wrong, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but I don't think they're going to have West Virginia fans at Pitt lined up next – like, seated next to the tunnel. Like, uh, I don't, don't set think them up in the- that's going to be a thing. They're going to – you know what they're probably going to do is put them all the way up in the corner if they're smart. Put them yeah. all the way up, as high as you can, and far away as you can.
1: There'll be plenty of West Virginia fans of that game.
0: I'm sure it's a backyard ball. It's, big it's a big stadium. stadium. They're, They're not going to sell out, but yeah, i I think um, I think Pitt wins. Um, we well, do. let's let's talk about the one we really want to talk about, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think Virginia. T- I, I'm more and more in- confident about this game like I said with barber I'm confident about everything Virginia Tech's doing and shifting and I think these kind of games against lessers which I think Old Dominion is I think I think we're going in with a better winning mindset that we're just going to take care of this I don't think we're going to have a big stumbling block here also Old Dominion's you know coordinator you know resigning a week ago I don't think that bothers me at all I think that also helps so um I just I think Virginia Tech kind of takes care of this. I don't, I don't think we see a lot of issues. I think, um, I think we, what we need to do is temper <laughs> reactions after this one. I think it's going to go pretty well. I don't think an absolute terrible blow up, but like, I could see like a 35 to seven kind of thing. I think our defense could kind of flex some muscle on this team that just lost their offensive coordinator. I, I think we, I think we could score four or five touchdowns. So like, I could see it being just, you know, a very controlled tech game, where old Dominion doesn't really score much. That's that's kinda how I look at this one. Uh.
0: <laughs> um. We're back for another Joe Stradamus.
1: Needs a sponsor.
0: An in-state clash of monarchs and hokies. The debut for the new coach Brent Pry. With lots of unknowns, there could be flashes of the Chokies. But in his debut, I foresee victory for vpi
1: so i'm glad we agree I, I don't think there'll be much chokiness going on
0: i would hope not but i mean again like i said i have said multiple times leland it's year one this is i i don't share mike barber's rosy view of what he's inheriting but just you know tempered expectations Just don't lose week one. You cannot lose this week. This is one of those games you can't lose.
1: What I took away from his, what you're getting is just the, like, I took that more as as an indication of, like, what UVA fans expect from their team and what our, like, our bottom was barely making a bowl game and firing our coach. And Virginia was in a very similar spot as us. and And Virginia got beat by Virginia tech last year and their coach that they loved and didn't want to get rid of, you know, leaves. And, and we're in very similar spots. So I think that's kind of like, you know, we think it's terrible that with what we have, I think there's talent. I think there's talent there that we were underusing. I think we've already seen examples of that. I, th- I also like what we've done in the quarterback room. I think we brought in two quarterbacks that are better than anybody that was left in that room and, mm-hmm. and was in the room last season. I think before that we had better than that, but uh, you know, I, 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 I like what we have. I think this is going to go well. Um, I think we, I think we have enough to deal with there to, to have this game against a lesser go, go well.
0: I agree. I need to see Virginia tech dominate in this game. Um, UNC app state.
1: I'm not going to let you fire this coach after one game. No,
0: I'm not uh, If he loses, <laughs> I don't know if he loses. I don't know. Um, this,
1: the UNC game has got interesting here with Appy State. Uh, on FanDuel, I think Appy State's favored.
0: Well, yeah. Did you watch them play FAMU? They played a team that barely had enough kids to fill out a roster, and FAMU only lost by, like, 20-something points. UNC, I would not. Look, quarterback, I know everyone's like, oh, look at his numbers. Cool. You played a bunch of guys who were just, like, left. They were the ones that weren't ineligible. Like, I, I don't feel great about that. I, I saw that score. I, I was with my brother's girlfriend, who is a UNC fan. She's like, oh, look. He, look at his numbers. We won the game. I'm like, one, you didn't cover, so you didn't. <laughs> Two, not, not the margin of victory I'm hoping for if Virginia Tech plays FAMU. So I would not feel good about that game. I, I, I think Appalachian State, I'll I tell you why Appalachian State's favored, because they're going to win.
1: It's in Boone, too. I think that's really yeah. cool. I like that North Carolina's playing there. I like it when the big schools go play other places once in a while. I don't, I don't want to be playing at Old Dominion every year. But I don't. once in a while, if you have to sacrifice it, it's fine. I like North Carolina doing it here against Appy State. I don't know much about Appy State. That's my problem. That's why I'm not sitting here like, oh, yeah, Appy State's going to beat them. I want to say that. I want Appy State to embarrass North Carolina. The rest of the ACC doesn't. People that make money with the ACC doesn't want to see that happen. But <laughs> I, I don't like North Carolina, so I would like to see them fall. And I but I just don't know. I don't know anything about Appy State. So I. I hope so. That's, that's what I got.
0: Appy State's going to be fine. Uh, UVA, they host Richmond. I think the Cavaliers win. I mean, as much as I would love to get a chuckle in if Richmond wins, I, I don't foresee this week being an issue.
1: I think they're too good a quarterback to lose this game. I think yes. Brendan Armstrong can be Richmond on his own. If they didn't have Brendan Armstrong, I'd, I'd be all about watching this, making sure, uh-oh, you better watch out for this one. I called it. The last time when Richmond did beat UVA that first year of uh, Bronco, I, I called it that year. I absolutely said that one out loud. This one I'm not saying. I agree with you. I, I think Brendan Armstrong's the difference.
0: Your Florida State Seminoles are going to get trucked this week.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I I what. You know, What's accent, not to know? The accent is the LSU's head coach going to talk in. You know, Are they going to be able to understand him? Is it the guy from Waterboy that's – I the mean, guy like, from
0: Waterboy could coach them this week, and they'd beat Florida State. I don't know what we're talking about here. Like, oh wow, they beat Duquesne! Like, oh, everyone, high fives! And I know you said that before the Duquesne game, but I'm yeah, just like,
1: purpose, so avoid you even mentioning that right
0: here. I know, but I'm just, I'm not. For me, that was a a non thing. That was a non event.
1: in this game, in the very least. I guess I'm not saying they just win outright, oh, but I'm I saying think
0: they get killed
1: Sunday yeah. night. I think it's going to be interesting.
0: It'll be interesting. If you're an LSU fan, if you're a Florida State fan, you can shut the game off. Hey, Walters, it's a D.C. bar. Um, went there before the Nats game, which I'll talk about at the end of the podcast. But uh, you can go ahead and shut the TVs off. You don't want to watch that one.
1: Um, we got Oregon, Georgia on Saturday afternoon. Does Oregon touch Georgia?
0: No. Well, I mean... I as they're running by them into the end zone. Yes, but they're not. That's going to not be a game for very long.
1: I think Georgia wins about 20. Notre Dame, Ohio State.
0: I want it to okay. be a good game, and I, I, I hate both game. of these teams. I hate both of these teams.
1: I don't like either. I don't. I, I generally don't like Notre Dame. I've this gone over has one of
0: those games where I hate Ohio State, and it feels like Ohio State's going to win this by like, 20 points. I think it'd be tighter than that. I think it would be tighter than that. I, I'm not saying like Ohio state couldn't spread
1: it to 10 at the end of the game or something, but I, I think, I think early fourth quarter, we're very interested in this game and that's at Ohio state. So that's not a neutral site game. Like some of these other big, yeah, big and ones are
0: because of that. I, it kind of has the feel.
1: Oh, they're beatable there.
0: Uh,
1: we did it. We did it when we weren't that good. Yeah,
0: and you know what? I still can't believe it. <laughs> but we did.
1: To, okay, so to wrap up our college football talk, I think we need to cut, I, I think it went out of order here, but like the playoff. I think it's easy to say Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, and. Probably here. Clemson. Like, so is Clemson your fourth?
0: No, I'm going to say NC State, but.
1: Oh, really? I like it. I like it.
0: I think NC I like State's going to be better, and I think they beat Clemson. I, so. I, I think the coordinators leaving is going to be a thing.
1: I hope so, too. Um, I, th- I think the other teams you discuss, like, it's a lot of teams with, with new coaches. Um, is USC, can they win the Pac-12 and weasel their way in there? They have to be undefeated to do that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma, I know they lost their quarterback to USC, but they do bring back a lot of talent, but they have a new coach. If they're better on defense, particularly in the Big 12, can they go undefeated and weasel their way into that spot? I, I, think, I think no matter what, that fourth spot's for, like, an undefeated, and I think there's going to be one. I think there's going to be an undefeated Clemson or NC State. I think there's going to be an undefeated USC or, I guess, if Oregon wins against Georgia, that could shake a lot of things up. Um, I just think there will be that, like, undefeated team that's not Bama, Georgia, or Ohio State that's going to that's gonna get in there. And um, I don't know. I, I'm not buying into USC. I'm just they're they're gonna
0: lose. Um, they might lose to Utah.
1: I just don't want to say Clemson. We've already heard that on here. Yeah, Utah's gonna be good. Is it Utah? Is Utah going undefeated? What's Utah's schedule? Oh, I don't what know. are the Utes' schedule? Because like that's that's probably like the thing that everybody's overlooking.
0: Yeah, I – here's the thing, right? Like, I don't
1: – They got Florida. Well,
0: Who's then not they're not eat? going undefeated. I, I want them to. I'd love for and beat Florida because I don't particularly like the Gators, but – They got USC
1: on the 15th uh, of October. I just
0: think that the Pac-12 is not going to have a team that goes undefeated. I. Maybe. I don't think Cincinnati's going to go undefeated this year. Like I, oh, no. I don't know if we have I that G five undefeated team. Well, uh, I like
1: your NC State pick.
0: That's that's me trying to be contrarian. I because you can't have Georgia
1: and and Like you can't have three SEC teams. I don't. Bet. I don't think much of ANM. I'm going on the list. Tell here. the college Utah. football
0: playoff committee they can't have three SEC teams. See what they do.
1: Michigan's got to beat Ohio State. Baylor, Baylor's that like, that's one of Desmond Howard's, you know, list of underdogs. He had all, he threw Hucks, all of them in like, yeah, all of them in Baylor's one of those teams. That, I mean, you go undefeated in the big 12, we have history of seeing them get in. So
0: I don't think they're going undefeated. Okay. State. Mm. Yeah.
1: I don't know. It's just hard not to just say Clemson, but I, I don't think DJ's going to be good. I don't, I think if he was going to be good, he'd have been good last year.
0: It might be Notre Dame, even with a loss. It might A one-loss Notre Dame might get in.
1: Yeah, if it's the number two Ohio State, you know. I, yeah. I mean, shoot. They got in beat, losing to Clemson uh, in the short year.
0: Just that Oregon – the Oregon-Georgia game feels like a game that should eliminate Oregon. Because, to quote the great movie Little Giants, one of two things is going to happen either Georgia gets the ball first and rams it down their throat or Oregon gets it. Georgia takes it from them and then rams it down their throat. Like that's not going to be a fun game,
1: but the Notre Dame Ohio state game, like whoever loses that game probably is still hollering from
0: as long as it's not a beatdown. Well, I, you know what? I'll say this as long as it's as long as Notre Dame doesn't get beat down. If Ohio State gets beat down and wins the Big Ten, they're going to go. It doesn't matter. It's different rules for Ohio State. If Ohio State wins the Big Ten, they're in. Even if Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten, they might be in.
1: <laughs> I've seen that, too. All right. Um, let's talk. You're going to talk some baseball here coming up. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what's been dominating my life. Uh, Steve Cash was texting us and telling us to watch Hard Knocks. I've watched it many times in the past, so since he was watching, I wanted to watch. So we, you know, had that additional thing to talk about. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's good every time I watch it. It's never bad. Um, I mean, it's it's the same formula as our F1 show, as uh, mm-hmm. as the F1 show we watch on Netflix. The uh, what what's the name of Drive that to
0: Survive? Drive to
1: Survive. I mean, it's the same. It's the same kind of thing. It gets you interested. I mean, the whole show focuses on guys that are rookies and guys that are like at the cut line, like they're not even they're barely showing Jared golf. They're barely you know, they're not even digging into like top line starters. They talk about, you know, starters that are rookies like the kid out of Michigan that's on defense. That's real good. Um, but, you know, they're talking a lot about these guys that are can they make the team or not? You know, the same way in F1 show where it's like, can they finish fifth? or can they finish in the top 10 or not? You know, it's that kind of stuff and they make it so dramatic and it's so good. And the guys that, I mean, Dan Campbell's, he's, it's such a likable coach. you like the way he's going about it. Um, you know, he's not hiding from the history of the lines. He's not hiding from last year, not being as good as they want to be. Like, I, I just love his approach as a head coach. You have David Blau who is, you know, trying to make the team as like a third string quarterback. His wife, runs in the Olympics. They had video of him cheering her on last year during the Olympics. They show her in the show this year, um, Melissa Gonzalez. And uh, that, I like that guy. Uh, he has a, you know, a fumble to lose the game one week. And then the next week, he, he plays really well in the first half. So you're rooting for that guy. You have Khalil Pimpleton, who was a former Hokie, and uh, went to Central Michigan after he got done with Fuente. And now he got drafted. He's on the lines. He's trying to make the team. It shows his parents up in stands. It's just awesome and interesting I, i'd like I could go for some more james mitchell they don't show enough of the governor there uh, i want to see what's up with him i've i've rooted for james mitchell ever since we almost called him in a state championship game like he was for union appomattox beat union and so appomattox played stanton in the uh uh state championship game i was watching james mitchell all that year because he was committed to virginia tech and i wanted to i wanted to call a game for him but i want to see more of him but I'm excited to watch these last couple of weeks. So if you haven't watched Hard Knocks yet, you can binge those first three episodes. I guess it is now. Fourth one will come out about the time this podcast is dropped. And uh, I, I recommend it. And and I'd recommend any year of Hard Knocks. They know what they're doing, and it's good, and it's, it's so well done. So uh, I recommend it.
0: Yeah, I, this is going to sound weird. I've, I have not been super invested in Hard Knocks. I don't, I don't know if I've ever been invested in Hard Knocks. Like, I've watched the occasional episodes, but for me, it's I've just. i watched like
1: four different seasons.
0: Yeah. yeah. I Out watch of, like what, one episode me? a season, and it's just usually not something that grips me. Um, I think the fact that they aren't talking to Jared Goff says a ton about that franchise. Like, that franchise is no, not interesting. I watched
1: other years of that show, and they that don't. That
0: franchise is not interesting.
1: I think the coaches, I think. Yeah, but he's interesting
0: uh, for all the wrong reasons. He's interesting because I think he might be crazy.
1: Uh, I, I'm not feeling
0: that. I don't think he's good. I think this year they're going to not win very many games.
1: They're not going to go as high as he wants them to, uh, obviously. I mean, it's still the lines. This but... is a
0: guy who did ask if they could have live lions roaming the practice field.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness. I he I like his energy. I think watching him behind the scenes in the show and not just reading headlines, uh, I think, is a different view on it. Um hmm so I I don't know I like him he's very likable very I like want him to
0: show. I want him to win just enough to keep his job because I laughed last year three
1: thirteen and one I you know why can't they be better than the Bears this year like
0: what uh, because of their roster I don't because Jared Goff plays for them what kind of question is that
1: I don't know who, who's the Bears quarterback who, who Justin is Fields
0: in the, I think yeah I think Justin Fields is much better than Jared Goff I think. Jared Goff might have a better offensive line.
1: I just, I, I hope the best for him. I, even watching him a little bit. I, I, It's easy to have like a little bit of rooting interest for someone in the NFC North, like because they don't affect my Steelers. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like what I've seen. I've been entertained and it's a lot of likable people. For all the shows that I watch, that have a lot of people that aren't likable as, as much Yellowstone equivalent mm. shows that I watch. I, I enjoy watching this and feeling like happy while I'm watching it.
0: Sure. And I'm not knocking people who do watch hard knocks i just i've never gotten into it um yeah. but i understand why it's like there. It's a great
1: stuff. it's always fun to me
0: yeah and i'm not saying i don't watch other sports behind the scenish stuff but hard knocks just hasn't i guess for me my fear is that hard knocks is too polished like i'm only gonna see what the detroit lions want me to see i'm not gonna see something that is actually good
1: You don't think that F one show's hiding some stuff from us?
0: Uh sure. But the F one show also creates drama that the drivers do not like. So at least I get that. Some of it may be fabricated, but that's okay. Gets me interested.
1: What'd you do this weekend?
0: I went to a Nats game. Uh, saw the Reds and the Nationals. And Was as a that person against
1: like the rules as an Orioles fan?
0: No, I just didn't wear any real stuff, because I do hate when people show up to stadiums and wear, like, new third-team gear. I think that's ridiculous. So what did you wear, tech stuff? No, I wore a... a uh, what did I wear? I wore a... Uh, oh, Liverpool shirt and uh, Team USA baseball hat from the World Baseball Classic. Um, but it was good. I had a good time. Um, as a person who plays fantasy baseball, watches baseball, and follows it, I was amazed at the number of players on the nationals that I did not recognize Um, because they're terrible this year. And to to the point where like there was, there was an older woman who I really hope I didn't ruin her day, but she really did not appreciate my commentary on Lane Thomas left fielder for the Washington nationals of this is a guy who after you play like six years of MLB, the show pops up as just like generic create a player, like looked like generic create a player. The name Lane Thomas screams generic create a player. Like, I was just like, these aren't real players. Like these aren't real people. They're not real. I don't believe it. I did find out Nelson Cruz is still playing baseball for the Washington nationals. (laughs) Um, and then like Victor Robles is a national. There was somebody else who was also real that I recognized, uh, who's escaping me. So it, tells you how good he was but the reds if i'm being honest bunch of no-name players there too but the reds won the game we went to uh it was a good time with friends and family um had a good time and uh, it's always a good day at the ballpark but
1: for a guy that doesn't want to go watch live music you go to a nats reds game and watch live sports that's that's the other direction. Yeah, but
0: I can talk during the game. I'm not supposed to be talking during the concert unless it's Smash Mouth and they're playing a bunch of songs no one's ever heard of. <laughs> I had,
1: apparently I had said this wrong. Uh, Smash Mouth um, isn't the ones that's saying the opening to Bare Naked Ladies. I think I had a, a line that made myself laugh the other week when we were bashing Smash Mouth. It was actually Bare Naked Ladies, but... Uh, the opening I to Friends? Might, might tell you something about both of those groups uh, that I got it mixed up, so...
0: yeah. Well, I'm sure they're freezing in Peru by now, so. Um, I did watch, before you get back to sports to close us out, I did watch, uh, and this is what I know that you need to know, the Netflix documentary Running with the Devil, which is about John McAfee, the guy who did the antivirus software stuff, uh, and his run from the law. Uh, hmm. That is an amazing was he aided and abetted by Norton? No
1: oh,
0: okay. uh he hires a crew to follow him on his run, like which seems pretty counterproductive, but uh it's it's an insane story i I don't know how else to explain it, other than like the whole time I'm watching it I'm like, I can't tell if this man is like with the antivirus stuff, like obviously there is some genius there. But it seems like the little bit of genius he has is outweighed so much by the crazy, insane part of him that you're like, you know what? I bet he did kill that person. And (laughs) It's kind of like the lady on the Tiger King. Yeah. You're like, I bet (laughs) she she did kill her husband.
1: But probably killed her husband.
0: Yeah. Probably (laughs) fed him to a tiger. Like, this guy didn't feed anyone to a tiger that we know of. But... Like there's just some stuff that's going on, like in UC and they talk to all the people that were with him and like uh, talk to these other people investigating that were following the story, and it's just like, gosh, this is insane. Like highly I do recommend it. It's about two hours uh documentary on Netflix, but pretty good.
1: I I might look into that one. That one does seem a little interesting to me. Um I had control of my TV view in last week more so than usual. That's why I was watching hard knocks. That's why I was (laughs) binging on that. Um, That's why I'm all sports this week. Um, But, you know, we're still another week out from NFL next week. We will, you know, kind of dig into the NFL season preview. Um, But some of these headlines, particularly like Tom Brady's 12 day absence from from Bucks camp. That's something I haven't seen from him before. And I don't recall from any other star players. Um, or any players for that matter. Uh, maybe it's happened and someone wants to remind me, but Tom Brady just said he had a personal matter to take care of and he leaves and, and uh, comes back without really a real explanation. Uh, people had him on the mass senior. People had him, I don't know, other ridiculous things. Um, so Joe, I want you to, without any you know research or basis for saying what you're about to say, why was Tom Brady gone for twelve days
0: for a hair job and uh skin care? I think that was his, obvious
1: I think his face i it i it was I'm not saying common. it was done
0: well. I'm just saying,
1: yeah his I think you can tell what was done weird
0: it was weird, it was weird um, I didn't like it like when I saw the video, I was like, Mm-mm. nope, should have stayed retired like um."
1: While I am not going to say you're wrong or have a reason to say you're wrong because there's things that point to the right direction for that. I think it is something he committed to when he was retired last year that he had to go do I think we'll find out what it is. And so the people are saying mass senior was that thing. I don't think it's mass senior. I think I don't think he'd even address it. It was mass senior. And so, and he did address it. He was kind of making fun of that rumor, but I think like at some point we're going to see where he was at in August of 2022 whether it comes out in november or next summer or something i i do think it's some kind of other media related thing um and that's that's what we're going to find out so i i think you know non bucks football business i don't think it was personal fame like when i when he first went out someone had like wondered if there was bad health with his parents or something like that I, i don't think it's something like that that i would think is legit you know I, and I think we'd know it then, like, yeah, there was this and we're dealing with it privately. We re- re- request your uh, our privacy at this time. I think we'd know, like, at least like the headline of it. Um, I, but I do think it's something like media post football career type of thing that was committed to that he couldn't get out of. That's that's what I think.
0: I think he was retired for so little time. I don't I don't that that would be well. I mean, he back. signed
1: on with like Fox at the same time, didn't he?
0: No, I think that was after he unretired.
1: Well, when
0: because that was when I am done with my playing career, I will join yeah, that's Fox. True. I
1: bet Fox is uh, I bet whatever media thing is related is Fox. Again, people keep pointing to Mass Senior because that's Fox, but
0: it's something. It's on one of those new shows that will be canceled by the time football season's over. Hopefully so. All right. Well, that will do it for us on this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. When we come back, we'll recap, hopefully, Virginia Tech's win. We'll recap all the high school football action from this week, and we'll talk about the NFL as well as the rest of the high school sports that you, the Augusta County sports fan, care about. Make sure you're subscribed on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, so you don't miss another episode. You can find us on Twitter, at yak sports Pod. That's Y-A-C, Sports Pod. Or you can find us on Facebook, Sports Pod, Or you can email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Tell us what you think is going to happen in high school football this week. Jeff, tell us, how much is UVA going to beat Richmond by? And uh, if you think Virginia Tech is going to lose to ODU. We'll take some
1: Jeff Stradamus. Yeah, uh, right we'll
0: take some Jeff Stradamus. The right time with Jeff Wright. Yeah, we'll yeah. take some John Stradamus or Leonard on a limb if he wants. Um <laughs> His bull prediction for the week, uh, but we'll we'll take it all. His Penn State Nittany, Nittany Lions have kind of an important game against Purdue this week. I think they're actually... I, is that a, a Thursday
1: game, too? I, I, I saw only that like out a three there. Point, I was interested.
0: It was three points. I can't remember who was favored, but I was kind of surprised to see it that low. Um, tell us what you think, John. Until then, folks, we hope you... Uh, also, if you're not those people and you want to tell us what you think, feel free. Uh, but... <laughs> We will talk, we'll talk to you talk next to week.
1: Usually do it first. Yeah, that's a Thursday night game. Mm. Fox at 8 o'clock on Thursday.
0: How about that? Well, it's a Big Ten game. So enjoy that and uh, enjoy your college football that kicks off this week. Ha- everyone have a great, long Labor Day weekend, and we'll talk to you next week on the Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.